0: Eight films have been nominated, but only one will take home the prize. You're listening to the Quest for the Bestest 2021 Oscar Nominees Edition from Backlog Banter. Your hosts are Timo Nelson, Tucker Hazel, Tanner Dykstra, and Abram Buner. You can find more of our content on YouTube and Twitter at Backlog Banter. Hey everybody, welcome back to the quest for the bestest Best Picture nominees of 2021. It's our first episode talking about the Best Picture nominees for this year's Oscars ceremony. We're taking a break from our regular Quest content and gonna dive into what films the Academy thinks are the best this year. We're gonna talk about them, we're gonna rank them, we're gonna pick our favorite before the ceremony and then when it all gets wrapped up and the winner is revealed, we'll talk about it in conjunction with the rest of our Quest list. Try to figure out where it goes Comparing all the other Best Picture um, winners. But today, we're talking about nominees. We're going to start things off with Judas and the Black Messiah from this year. Directed by Shaka King. Starring Daniel Kaluuya, Lakeith Stanfield, and Jesse Plemons as the three main roles in the film. Um, A movie, a historical movie, a bit of a biopic. uh, A movie that... I personally quite enjoyed a lot. And um, I'm excited actually to hear what you guys have to say. I'm joined today. In case you were wondering, it's the exact same fools that I'm always accompanied with. It's Tucker, Tanner, and Abram. My name's Timo. So let's just get started. Juice in the Black Messiah. Abram, your first thoughts. Let's hear them.
1: Uh, I think this movie's excellent. I really enjoyed it. Something I was considering um, as I was watching, for me, whenever we're watching a film that is depicting a very important event, I try to think about in the context of an interesting historical narrative, does this work? But also in the context of being a stylistically presented and well-conceptualized film, does it work too? Or is is it the story propping up the entire picture? But I don't think that's the case here. I think this is an incredible chapter of history that's being presented with very good filmmaking. I think this, I think Judas is incredible.
2: Yeah,
0: Tanner. It
2: is. It is certainly stylistic as all hell. I will give this film that is. It it, it slaps you right in the face with its style and it doesn't let up for two hours or however long this movie. Honestly, it just flew by because I was so invested. I love this movie a lot. Uh, I was bordering on a, on a. Uh, this might be showing my hand a little bit. I was bordering on a five star rating. So. Uh, as as a result of of this discussion, I could go up from a four and a half to a five star on this.
0: Well, I don't want to spoil the fun, but this film will get ranked at number first at number one. Oh yeah. We we don't really have much of a choice in this um, matter. (laughs) We'll see how it stacks up. um, Once we talk about the the next film, Um, but Tucker, your final thoughts, and then we can get into the finer points.
3: Yeah. We saw it actually last night. We went to a theater and uh, we sat down and, I was I was honestly really surprised at how stylistic it was. I honestly didn't know the framing of the movie, which is what I think makes the story so compelling. Um, you're telling sort of a dual narrative from a really unique perspective. Um, and while I did have to run as fast as my little legs could and go to the bathroom and go pee, uh. Unfortunately, I missed the scene where um, where Fred Hampton gets arrested the first time, which is important. I got back and I'm like, "Tana, what, what happened?" He's like, oh, "Yeah, Fred got arrested." There like, no, so was, like,
2: was a one year time jump, and Fred Hampton got arrested. Maybe it's yeah, so possibly I the, the part worst part time that you go go to the bathroom.
3: Well, yes. I, I didn't know; I hadn't seen the movie before. <laughs> but um, but I really, really, really did enjoy it, and uh, I'm I'm very excited to discuss it. Just break it down.
0: Yeah, so I think we should do that. I can start. Um, I. When, when thinking about this movie, Abram, you mentioned like the, the historical context and it is, it is trying to present itself as like a truthful account of this element that is this, this event that has been largely swept under the rug. Have you, did you guys know about the, the goings on with Fred Hampton in Chicago with the Chicago, the, the Illinois black Panther party and the FBI infiltration and all of that before watching this film?
2: Um, I knew about, you know, sort of the social programs that the Black Panthers were running. I knew that Fred Hampton was uh, spoilers for this movie and for history, I suppose. <laughs> he was murdered in his sleep with several other several other Black Panthers. Spoilers the FBI. for life. Spoilers for history. The world. When the FBI uh, broke into the house and, you know, started firing. A, 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 they just started shooting into this into this house willy nilly. And uh, killing Fred Hampton. So yeah, I was I was aware of some of the historical context. I was not aware entirely of the character or real life person of Bill O'Neill, who just happens yeah. to be the main character of this. That's really the uh, l- the larger question surrounding this film as it got nominated for Oscars. Is uh, Daniel Kaluuya and Licky Stanfield both nominated for supporting actor?
0: But there are no nominations lead- for lead
3: actor. Yeah, yeah. For this, do you want me to go through those? Yeah, let's let's just just talk about them. Uh, uh, Nominated for best picture, nominated as tenor saying for best supporting actor two times for both lakia Stanfield and Daniel uh nominated for best original screenplay and as well for best cinematography. Six noms there. That's what we're looking at. And original song if you if you yeah. Oh, what. Hold on, that doesn't show up on the Google thing.
0: Yeah, I, it was. I think, the, I'm well, pretty well, sure it was well. nominated for original song, but I don't know how much that's going to play into our valuation of it.
1: I believe that puts uh, Judas and Black Messiah tied with a couple other films for second most noms. Mank has ten, which I'm sure yeah. we'll discuss when we get to oh, that yeah. review. But we'll a lot of other it. films have six apiece, so it's a very competitive year. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen all the nominations. This is definitely my front runner of the ones I have seen so far. Um, but in terms of the actors, in terms of not even who should have been uh, up for for actor, who is, should have been up for supporting actor, I just think they're both excellent. I think yeah. both men do incredible jobs. I, some of their performance, I, I think, is sort of characterized by who who they have to be. I think Lakeith Stanfield's a lot more subtle, just by nature yeah. of his role, which for me brought Daniel Kaluuya to the to the foreground because he has such a, a passion and energy about him, partially, I think, because he is playing Fred Hampton, who is such a charismatic person,
3: but they both come across really well. I actually, I honestly, what really pulled me into the film was for me, Lakeith Stanfield's performance. The the emotional resonance on that man's face, his his little twitches of his eyes and the corners of his mouth and his subtle facial expressions are next level. It's insane. I mean, from that first opening scene of him bungling a, a car theft, you get him pulling away in the car and the, the camera's trained on his face. And you see his confidence go from 100 to negative 100 in one facial trans- transition. And it's really impressive. I am, this is completely useless, but I'm campaigning, quote unquote, for Lakeith <laughs> Stanfield uh, to be considered the lead actor. Um, not only because personally I resonated with his performance a little more, but I, I see the movie as more um, framed around Bill O'Neill's story. Um, obviously it's still equal screen times about, um, about Fred Hampton, but the fact that it's through the eyes, um, from the opening credits to the closing credits, uh, through the eyes of Bill O'Neill and, and his story around it, I think he's probably the main character in my eyes. Important
0: to mention Lakeith Stanfield, not nominated for nearly as awards in the past as Daniel Kaluuya has so um i mean while they're both great performances you know maybe maybe it's time for lakeith stanfield to get his due he's great in uncut gems among other other movies i mean he's got a lot of uh a lot of pretty good performances that maybe have been slept on in previous years
1: mm-hmm. yeah sorry to bother you he's excellent in that film yeah it's true oh, it's okay it Even movie you.
2: that's a good movie we'll get into <laughs> ignore tucker's dumb pun <laughs> the title of that film but mm-hmm. um if we talked about Licky Danville. Daniel Kaluuya, though, let, let me tell you, Daniel Kaluuya, uh, Abram <laughs> said this. Just it, it just exudes charisma as Fred Hampton. He absolutely bodies and embodies the role of of Fred Hampton. He bodies is, is a. Is, for, yes. you know, bodies is a is a colloquial term for really, for really, um,
0: yeah.
2: uh, <laughs> for speaking over something, you know, for really getting into it. Yeah, no, I know
0: what the, yeah,
2: I know what the word means. Well, <laughs>
0: nonetheless,
2: uh, Fred Hampton, Danny Clue, they're basically one and the same in this movie. And he just knocks it out of the park.
0: Yeah, I completely yep. bought while I was watching. You know, sometimes in films, you have a character that's written and is they need to be very charismatic for this plot to work. They need to have sway over people and they need to be able to convince, you know— essentially uh, you know opposing forces to join sides or whatever um in order to get their goals but in judas and the black messiah daniel kaluuya and and as fred hampton is so convincingly charismatic you see that he just holds these you know in the scene where he comes back from prison and is the i am a revolutionary speech um i guess is what it's called and you can see the audience is just wrapped they are just totally paying attention to him you know, through the filmmaking, and there's some other, I think, some pretty cool elements in that scene as well. Um, just, like, his performance is sold so well. It fits with the character, mm-hmm. and you, like you said, I believed it like that. I mean, he was like, I saw him, and I was like, yep, yeah, that, no, that's totally. that's Fred Hampton.
1: Yeah. I think what's so incredible about that is that the film is able to have these sequences that evoke such tension And Fred Hampton is able to be a salve over that tension. Like when they go to like the Southern Pride rally or -hmm. when they confront the crowns and they hold up the falsified uh, government document. And Fred Hampton's just, he's just calm. And it it creates this really awesome juxtaposition between the the sequence and what the audience is feeling and how Fred is reacting to it. And I think that's part of why the film is just so
3: magnetic from sequence to sequence. Yeah. I've got to say, I think that the best aspect of both Daniel Cullia's performance, the the script writing in terms of Fred Hampton as a character, obviously a real person, is is taking this figurehead, this leader, who is clearly very charismatic and can convince people of basically anything if he gets up in front of them and, and spews his words. Um, that was not the right way to frame that. But, <laughs> but is that we also get a very human side of him. You get the mm-hmm. internal conflict. You get him dealing with trying to balance his ideals with having a family. And and it's really interesting to see such a human and personal side of a leader, because you get lots of movies about leaders, but they're usually propped up as these figureheads and not really given the emotional and character, you know, quote unquote, development um, that this got. And I think that's why his performance worked so well.
2: Yeah. Uh yeah, he, he's he's uh, that human side of him is shown very well with Dominique Fishback uh, yeah. portraying Deborah Johnson, his girlfriend at the time. Uh, and yeah, she she was also very strong. She had that uh, that great monologue where she's reading a piece of her poetry about um, bringing her child into this revolution that the the Black Panthers are trying to start. She was also great. All the uh, all the more supporting characters, I forget, I don't know the actors' names, but like uh, Jimmy Walker, Jake Winters. Uh, the scenes that they had. Uh, who who is the one guy that was always with them? He was always with Fred Hampton. He's a, he's like a skinnier guy um, with the glasses. Yeah, with the glasses. Yeah, uh, yeah
3: I mean, th- honestly, there's a lot Bobby of Rush, smaller. There's a lot of smaller supporting characters in this movie, and to be honest, I've got to say, I think my biggest criticism with the film and. And one thing holding it back from that really perfect score is that sometimes there were characters that showed up. I'm like, okay, well, I can't exactly remember their name. I can't exactly remember what their context is in in their uh, you know relation to the Black Panther party. There was a lot of characters in this film that naturally served similar roles because they're all part of the same party. But it made it hard for me to keep track of of so many people.
0: I found that happening yeah. to me a little bit when um, a couple a couple of the members are killed in the film yeah. and and there mm-hmm. there was I, one of them i think it's the first man who was killed i was not quite sure who he was uh i understood uh, I the
2: guy that was the guy that was in the hospital
0: yeah that guy Jimmy instead that yeah was,
2: that was the character's name at
0: least. yeah so i i like understood that and i understood the outrage um within the party about the whole deal but like the character wasn't I guess flushed out quite enough for me to really, really get it. And I think the second one had a better—he had a better death. The one in the like oil refinery or whatever. Yeah. Um, that was a very—that was a cool scene. I really like that scene. Um, and so like I don't know. I guess the the coolness of it w- weighed out for me in terms of like how he died as opposed to um the the previous one. So the side characters, yeah, there are kind of a lot of them. Um, and especially when we get talking about the FBI characters. Um, yeah basically they and and that whole a or b plot you know the film is is dual narrative so there's two of them going on at once
2: yeah i Uh, I think that uh,
1: sorry uh i think off of that point actually a lot of these sort of not dropped characters but underdeveloped characters comes from the fact that there's so much happening in the story and my biggest issue with the film is pacing but not because i think it ever moves too fast or moves too slow but because the some of the sequences it chooses to show or does doesn't show ends up hurting the overall narrative. I think so. Not seeing Bill O'Neill really come into his own. How did he get? How did he begin getting into the Black Panthers? Yeah. we don't see a lot of that rise. And I think that if the film had paced itself a little bit differently and put a little bit more emphasis on the on the conflict between. Um, between Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya and had everything else a little bit more in the background, it might have not had these moments where characters felt like they weren't getting their, their screen time or or where certain things were glazed over. I think a little bit of a, of a sharper lens would have helped the film.
2: Yeah, I definitely think that some of that, that initial stuff up front of him joining the Black Panther Party would probably lost on, on the cutting room floor of this film because it definitely feels yeah. like that's something they would have shot And just for the sake of time, probably cut that out.
0: I was Um, thinking, I was thinking, though, to interrupt you, Tanner, um, about the because I'm going to they um, just like I've learned about the the cutting the obvious scene and skip a beat narration as like a as a Spielberg tactic. And I felt that also going on in this film, that there are scenes that we don't see that are obvious. I don't need to see them because I kind of because I know what happens. I don't need the film to tell me because I can infer it and it takes it. It makes it makes me feel stupid as a viewer to have them include that and so some of those that you're talking about i feel fall into those um categories but continue yeah
2: i did make a joke of or not a joke i made a note about that rather uh while i was watching this it's that uh, i really like that it doesn't hold your hand like right up front when uh, bill o'neill gets arrested and he meets jesse Plemons if i forget his character's name but when he meets him um the the film doesn't hold your hand on like we're going to we want you to be an informant. This is what we want you to do. The the scene literally ends with the line, "Or you can go home." And then it cuts. And then the, sure, I love yeah. that. Yeah, I, I really love that stuff because we get it. We understand what's happening. We're smart boys and we're smart boys and girls in the theater. There, all right. We get what's going on. It's a. I think it's a great stylistic choice, but something that's really interesting
1: at the beginning of the film is Bill O'Neill's ambivalence towards the Panthers. And I think if we had some early sequences of him getting into the party and having his thoughts develop on the group, that mm-hmm. that would have been interesting. So it's obvious from I think from a plot level what was not shown, but I think some of the the character arcs and the movements and sort of the themes of what weren't shown could have felt really powerful had they been shot and put in the film
0: some of what i felt like i was missing from bill o'neill's character is that conflict i i understood and i really wanted to see the internal conflict of him being the informant and essentially being against the black panthers you know he's not their friend Mm -hmm. but also being so integral to it and being a high-ranking member and I, you know, just personally, I can't see someone getting that high up without really believing it. And so, yeah. you know, I I, I would have liked to see a little bit more of that internal struggle of, of his of like, like, oh, me, may, like maybe like the Black Panthers are feeding 3000 kids a week. Like, that's good. Like, why am maybe. I why am I ratting out to the FBI besides the fact that he has no choice, you know?
2: Yeah. yeah, well, I do want to. I do want to talk about, uh, you know, uh, I re- looking back and talking about this, his Bill O'Neill's motivation. I, re- I realized that I did interpret a lot of it, and uh, it's really interesting to break that down because towards the end, you get you get the impression that he is, uh, he is starting to buy into it. Jesse Plemons has that line where he's like, "This guy deserves an Academy Award," which, yes, true. Good point, Jesse Plemons. <laughs> he does. <laughs> kind of meta, <better>, yeah, <laughs> um, but. What uh, what's really interesting is that, yeah, he, he's, he's sort of ambivalent, because I was like, well, is he against the Black Panther Party initially? But no, he's just ambivalent towards it. He takes an easy out. Uh, and then he's just he's just doing this, A, because it's getting him paid, and it's not sending him to prison. Uh, and B, and you know, the FBI sort of puppeteered him into this is that he gets to a certain point in the organization where he's like, if I drop out now, they're going to have some sort of retribution against me, because I was an informant to the FBI. And so he's trapped in there by the FBI and he's trapped in there by his own circumstances as uh, he doesn't want to go to prison. And uh, I, it, regardless of if he be, if he believes it or not, he's he's in the situation where he has to sell out Fred Hampton. And I think, you know, at the, the title cards at the end, you do see that he carried that regret into the into the, the latter years of his life uh, before he took before he committed suicide on the night that a a documentary, a PBS documentary of some sort uh, aired yeah. about this.
0: That he and, had agreed um, to interview for, that he he, he did yeah. an interview with, um, and then and then he killed himself before he could watch it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I, I think that really plays into the the well, the title of this movie is Judas and the Black Messiah. Bill O'Neill is obviously this Judas figure. Uh I'm not super up on my biblical lore, but I'm fairly certain, you know, Judas was only he was bribed into this by the Romans. He, it's not that he like hated Judas. It, it's not that Judas hated Jesus it's just that he was bribed into it he uh, of of circumstances he he sold out uh the Messiah in this in this context
0: I think but it's I, a, think, we I just, think it's a great title just you know yeah, yeah it is it I mean I
3: honestly not well
0: hmm, Tucker? yeah we good um I, I I I like the way you know they never they never name drop the title right so it's they, do just... it,
2: they do it a little bit Michael Sheen does say we' need to stop them from making a black messiah
0: yeah, that's as close as they get, and so yeah,
2: that's as close as they get.
0: I mean, you do have to sort of let that let slip that into your film, but I do like that they the, the title is is a little div, is a little separated, is a little different, um, and then brings up this allusion to this biblical illusion that we're that we're talking mm-hmm.
3: about. One well, thing I think we just need to talk about a little more outside of story is just the filmmaking fundamentals that this, this oh, yeah, movie absolutely. has. I mean, it's got a great score. It's oh, yeah. got fantastic cinematography. It's, it's edited in such interesting ways that allows you to, do most for the most part, keep track of all these intertwining stories. And I just found myself hooked from the beginning when you get all these interesting long shots and, and really good lighting. Uh, you hear the score come in. Um, there's one cut where uh, after Bill asks to get a car, and it cuts to the car, and you hear this car horn it's not a car horn it's the saxophone and it sounds right. like a car horn and the saxophone transitions into music but then it comes back to that note and you, it sounds like a car horn again you're like whoa! there's there's layers going on here and, and just in that moment i'm like there's really stylistic choices and everything sort are of playing into one another and the craziest thing is this is a second feature film from shaggy yeah like huh we were, timo was saying earlier he's using like spielberg style tactics like this this guy he He probably has a huge career ahead of him
2: yeah uh i i want to shout out the uh the very opening of this uh when you first see bill o'neill he's in his his dick tracy uh, get up as he says and uh it's that it's that really dissonant jazz tone that that really brings you into this film, and it's great it's a great note to start the film on
3: yeah because i mean not only is that dissonant but in the music the entire story is different it's layers yes. of corruption in the fbi mm-hmm. and and you as a viewer are getting more and more uncomfortable as you realize the fbi is just not on the side of actual justice here and they're mm-hmm. they're lying and and writing things to get what they want and and label people as terrorists and there's so much here that walking out i'm like wow the american education system really failed me huh i didn't know about almost any of this and I, I probably before this could not have told you who fred hampton was just just because we don't we don't really learn about this kind of stuff in history classes and yeah. uh that's yeah. i think that's why this film is so important is it covers not only an interesting story as a film an interesting story with intertwining characters that tells a unique and compelling plot but it's factually true and yeah. now i know more about history <laughs> So
0: to get tucker Um, to be interested in history now that is a is a feat and there should be an academy award on on its own for that
2: (laughs) uh more filmmaking fundamentals uh one one shot i really liked is when they return back to that bar that uh lakeith stanfield bill o'neill tries to tries to steal the car from at the beginning and it's him sitting in the car and uh, I think it's the bar is called Lose or something like that, and it's reflected right onto his face because of the car window.
0: That's another Spielberg tactic.
2: Yeah, it's great. Just that, that shot alone, like
0: holy look at that!
2: And that whole scene in that in the bar is very tense and great. By the way, uh, another really great intense scene. I want to I want to say, and it is they accomplish this in three words. Is when um, it's after they see the crowns and the two Black Panthers sort of take Bill O'Neill and like, we're going for a drive or whatever. And they pull up to this, this secluded alley or whatever. And they're like, are you uninformed? They, they're saying something about a badge and they don't believe him about the story that he's telling. And he's like, I, I hotwired this car. That's how I got it. And the guy from the backseat just says, do it again. And th- th- at that moment, was like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah.
3: that was a really That's good a moment. a great
2: moment right there. And he's like, "Uh yeah, I'll just do it. I don't have my tools. He's like, do it again.
3: And then he great, actually knows how to great great do it.
2: He does. He does know how to do yeah. it. I think I took from that that he just kind of guessed. I, I I think he just kind of guessed what wires to put together, and it worked. So, but that's a great scene, regardless. I don't think so. I think what makes for
1: me what made that scene so interesting is that he knows how to do this because we oh, see okay. that he, this is his beat. He pretends to be uh, an an agent. He goes in there. He robs the place. Right. Steals a car. Mm-hmm. So why? For me, why that scene was so successful is because he's telling the truth there. But now mm-hmm. he actually is with the FBI. His old lie is, is is servicing him here, but only halfway. If they push a little bit harder, because they're right. Yeah, he, yeah he's, they are he's, right. With, he's with the feds, but this specific thing is true, which is why you, I love the shot after that, the reaction shot we just see on his face. Like just for a second, like he looks at the driver's side window yeah. and you can just see his face change. He's like, I was that close. yeah. And then, Another moment, by the way, which is why LaKeith Stanfield did so well
3: in the film. But that's a great sequence on the whole. I, I think we also have to touch on the fact that this is also about the FBI. And I was bringing that in earlier, yeah. but Jesse Plemons as the—I don't think any of us can remember his character name. Uh, uh, Roy not, his Oh name. sure, yeah, Roy, yeah. yeah. Um, but the relationship that builds between the two of them in some ways and then is subverted in others. And I think that makes that whole section of the film, it's it's a pretty minor part in comparison to the rest of the overall story, but mm-hmm. um, makes that so compelling. And every time you return back to this re- these restaurants, these fancy restaurants, you know, like character tension is about to go down and it gets you geared up for a really interesting moment of character development. Mm. There's just a relationship there between like the setting of that of that restaurant and me thinking, oh. Oof, Bill's going to go through some crap right now and he's going to have to do something he doesn't want to and that's going to you know, set up a whole chain of events in his head. And just seeing him deal with that is, I think, the most interesting part of the film and and him balancing his uh, desire to support the people who are his friends. He's been with them for years and he does genuinely believe in the cause to the point that he's willing to blow up a building for it. Like, there's such a conflict there that builds, I think, especially through those scenes with Jesse Plemons. Um, I, I loved it. Yeah. I think it's
1: important to note that I don't think he wanted to blow up that building because he was trying to get Fred Hampton to say he wanted to, cause he's wearing a wire yeah, after true. and I, you, and I think, oh, I didn't catch
2: right that. And trap him. Yeah.
1: Sure. Yeah. yeah. Which is when I, that's Oops. when the relationship gets really interesting when there's, when you think that Jesse Plemons and Keith Stanfield are on good terms and then, he just sends up He pushes him harder as yeah, Jesse Plums like, is being pushed harder.
2: He pushes him. Uh, yeah, Jesse Plums is pushed harder at the at the behest of J. Edgar Hoover, famous bad guy in history, portrayed by yes. Martin Sheen.
0: I actually saw a headline recently. I read a little bit of an article about how some, um, the, how the one of the FBI buildings is still named after, after J. Edgar Hoover, and um, some some Congressperson watched this movie and then was like. Uh, we need to rename that building. We yeah. can't name this after this guy anymore because uh-huh. holy shit what he did was not good yeah. um, An interesting little anecdote and a, an example of how you can make films for good You can make films to make some change for all you young you aspiring go. filmmakers out there <laughs> I'm talking to myself right there <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like you like you. this those uh, those presentations though the out of all the emotions and about all the interesting stuff that this film made me feel, I came out of it damn angry. I was pissed when this film was done. Mm-hmm. Um and and when I tell people and I say that, oh, I saw this movie, and they're like, Oh, how was it? I was like, I was like, I say, you know, I came out really I came out feeling very angry, and I was like, and that's exactly what they wanted.
2: Yeah. yeah. A uh, quick shout out to uh, Little Rel Howery as uh, Wayne, a, another uh, FBI informant that he meets in the bar. It's a great little scene that they have there where he's like, he, he, Bill O'Neill is getting so paranoid. He's like, are they going to, are they going to kill me? Are they going to out me to the Black Panthers? What's my, what's my fate in all this? And Little Rel Howery is just not helpful at all in any of that. He's, uh he's just very mysterious. I like that. Um, what, uh, oh. Speaking of the development of Fred Hampton and Bill O'Neill's character, it sort of comes to a head in the the Last Supper scene, if you will, if we're doing this this biblical uh, thematic line, uh, where uh, they're all sitting in the house that Fred Hampton will ultimately get murdered in, and uh, there's there, there's there's just some really good um, character moments in there where you know they're telling Fred Hampton he should leave to Cuba or Algeria, and he's like why are you guys sitting around telling like t- telling me I need to get out of here when we are supposed to be talking about building this medical center. And uh, that, I believe that parallels a, a similar line in the Bible to what uh, to what Jesus had when the p- disciples were all like, you got to get out of here. The Romans are going to come looking for you. And he's like, mm, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm just going to chill here with my buds. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what they say in the Bible, actually. Yeah. Uh, and then, Finally, that that ends with uh, Lakeith Stanfield. He's uh, maybe the most overtly worried he looked as in his entire tenure at the with uh, the Black Panthers. He's like, "Can I get you a drink?" And obviously, that means that he slipped Fred Hampton the chemicals or the concoction that made him uh, put into a coma, essentially, for when the FBI raided their house.
3: Yeah, and that raid sequence, good googly moogly i mean it's it's really powerful and i think that it's it's all shot in the dark mostly lit by the flashes of light from from the guns and the perforations of the bullets through the walls and you don't know who's getting hit or what room you're yeah. in and you're really disoriented and then the lights flipped on you find out that fred is asleep and and um and uh deborah's trying to wake him but then she gets pulled away and the camera stays trained on her face the entire time well, Fred is murdered behind her, and and yes. that's such a good emotional choice to center it around the reactions of of a character of someone that heard the person they love get murdered mm-hmm. right behind them. Like, there's just a lot of fundamental emotional weight there, and I think it worked really well. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was I was gonna say that I think the action sequences in this film are actually pretty well done, pretty tasteful. Um, you can mm-hmm. go kind of crazy all out sometimes, especially when you're like a character based drama as this one is um, when you have those moments where they're, you know, shooting, you know, it's firefights there. It's, it's just <laughs> it, like um, like any other action movie, but I think it is done in it, consistently. It's tonally consistent um, and it's, you know, cinematographically, it's the same. The, they shoot the, those sequences in a, in a similar way that they shoot the other stuff. And it's also very tense. And because we're so invested in these characters that a character death, I think really does mean a lot. Um, or the prospect of one in a, in a big firefight, like we saw, um, mm-hmm. a couple times in the film. And those are, I, yeah. you know, me like boom, me like explosion, you know, <laughs> those are just fun to watch. And they're amazing to, you know, think about how they made those are not easy sequences to just film. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, or do, do you guys have anything else you want to talk about or should we do our our final thoughts on this on our first 2020 2020 best picture nominee i, I
0: think, think it's I, final thought time yeah i think we're, we're gonna we're gonna hit it up with uh with our last tidbits our last supper mm-hmm. of of uh of discussion so tucker yes what do you what do you have oh. to wrap us up
3: um i just have to say that through, throughout this whole thing, I. I'm very glad we get, were able to have this discussion because you guys were able to clear up a few things story-wise and, and tonally for me. That makes me realize that this movie is more well-constructed than even I came out of it giving it nine out of ten. Realized, mm-hmm. um, and and yeah, I mean, this is just such an important movie. I mean, mm-hmm. what Timo said is m- making him angry. It's how film can be used as as not only political a uh, force but also an emotional one, appealing to your your sensibilities by in, introducing you to characters that you might not know anything about and and seeing it through their eyes because that's how film works and Mm -hmm. i'm so glad that this film is getting the recognition that it deserves you know whether you're or not you're satisfied with the categories it was nominated for it's certainly one of the ones that's up there as we said and i think that it's unlikely it wins best picture because it is such a a grating story to tell it doesn't frame america in in a good light um but i certainly is deserving of a nomination and Mm -hmm. i would be very happy if it won yes tanner Um, we're going around the we're
2: going
0: around the horn here
2: we're going around the horn here okay uh I, i this film just has a lot going for it it's very stylishly made it's the first time that you know fred hampton's political beliefs and the you know the political operandus of, I'm not sure if I use the right one there. the per, The political operations of the Black Panther Party were put accurately to screen in a popular uh, narrative film. Uh, and on top of that, it's so stylishly made, well directed, incredibly well performances, incredibly well performance. I don't know what I'm saying. There are great performances in here. Uh, I'm I, I'm a lot right along along there with Tucker. I don't think it's a win Best Picture. I'd be delighted if it did, and uh, it's it's going to be hard to stack uh, the other seven nominees up against this. But uh, we'll, we're going to do our best.
0: Abram, you, and then uh, I'll I'll wrap it up.
2: Yeah, I I think this film it
1: really is incredible. We we touched on it a little bit. I think that certain character arcs and moments should have been put a little bit more central, maybe yeah. included in the film a little bit more, but Outside of that, it, it's it's excellent. When I'm watching a film, I, I look for a sort of thematic resonance, and obviously I felt that, and I also look for style, and, and that's mm-hmm. here in spades. And in terms of the narrative itself, uh, I've studied American history a lot. I took AP American history, which should be like the, the look at American history through the lens of, of like higher level, high school level education, and I didn't learn this stuff, you know, so... Yeah. so i feel like i I feel like i learned something and it's a story people should know and and especially in the context of of 2021 it's it's i think deserving of the win i i and i I think i really think it has a very good shot of winning of course i haven't Mm -hmm. seen all the nominees i've only seen a couple of them but i think it can and 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 should win and it's a good movie it is a good movie
0: yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna echo mostly what you guys have said i um, Mm am I would I would be very happy if it won. I I do think that there are some I've seen some other of the nominees and I think there's some accomplishments in filmmaking that are really outstanding in certain films that we will get to. And mm-hmm. um and that makes me, you know, question will the academy go with a very this is a very politically charged film. Will they go with a politically charged film with a with a good a good message, you know, a well-executed message that is powerful, impactful and whatnot. Or will they go with like the really the really highbrow art route? That's what I'm. I'm just kind of waiting to see. There's one film that I'm thinking of. If you can guess it, um, you get some brownie points from me. Um, but I'm not going to say what it is. And so this film I think is is like the is our is our our like message film, our political film um, from the nominees this year. And it would be great if it's nominated. I mean, Chaka King is a is a a filmmaker of color, and it stars. It's it's a very diverse cast, and it's stories that you know everyone should know. And so. It's stories that deserve to be told, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's great that it has gotten the platform that it has um, as a result of being distributed online. I watched it at home, which was awesome. I could pause the movie and take a pee break whenever I wanted um, <laughs> instead of having to miss one of the most important scenes. Uh, <laughs> but I um, I look forward to, to seeing how it does at the Academy Awards. I definitely think that Lakeith Stanfield or Daniel Kaluuya um, should win for one of yep. their acting performances. I, I mean, they're just... It's truly outstanding.
2: Yeah, they'll be walking away with a trophy. I I, I sincerely hope so.
0: I think this film will get at least one little golden statue. Mm-hmm. All
2: right. A little golden Oscar. So,
0: so we don't really have a place to, We don't have a list to put it on because it stays there at the top. Um, mm-hmm. But we are going to then go off we're gonna find another film to watch i think we actually know what it's gonna be we're not really doing it randomly this time just it's a yeah. little easier for scheduling and whatnot to, to to know exactly what we're what we're watching in and what order um so tanner we want to tell us what we are going Yo, to be talking about next
2: we are watching the sound of metal you know starring I don't think uh, it, Riz- I don't think there's the on it i think it's yeah, just sound, just sound sound of metal, metal. Excuse
0: sound me. of Metal. Uh,
2: starring of Riz Ahmed and Paul Racy, directed by, uh, oh, what's his name? I should have this pulled up. What's his name? <laughs> Darius Rucker, I believe, is his name. What was, I'm like, the musician? <laughs> did, I, did I just pull that name? Hang on, hold up.
1: Because Darius Rucker is a it sounded- country singer. Yeah, He's so Darius it's Marger. it's a Darius, Darius Martyr. Close, close. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm
2: not I'm not as adept as uh, Timo or Tucker when they have these things pulled up already. I just try to pull them off the dome. But regardless, we are watching uh, Sound of Metal for next week or for the next installment, I guess, since we're doing two of these a week.
0: Basically. Yeah. So we got to get through them before the, before the ceremony. So thank mm-hmm. you for joining me. Next week, we're going to have a list. We're going to have a ranking. We'll see where Sound of Metal stacks up against Judas and mm-hmm. the Black Messiah. I'm excited to watch the film. I haven't seen it yet. Um, and then uh, And then talk about it. All right. We will catch Love you facts. in a couple days. All right. Peace.